Well, good morning. It's great to have you all here. Great to have all of you that are uh, joining us uh, online this morning. And as uh, Andy was saying, we're uh, wrapping up this uh, series. And this series, so much of it, if you've been a part of it so far, is really kind of looking at uh, our soul and understanding uh, a, like a, uh, a biblical perspective of a human being or of our soul. Because our soul is from a, like a New Testament understanding is the integration of three important parts of, of who we are uh, that's kind of the non-physical us, uh, starting with our heart. And our heart is like the deepest values and drivers and beliefs uh, that we have. And our mind is the thinking and the emotional part of uh, who we are. And our spirit is that part that connects to God. And so each week we've been kind of looking at uh, a different part of who we are and understanding like what happens when it gets cluttered or has problems and and what can we do to like strengthen that or, or do a little spring cleaning is kind of the metaphor we've been using. Uh, but I, I want you to think about it maybe uh, just for a little while here, like if life is a road trip, right? If life is a road trip and you're behind the wheel and you're driving, if, if your heart is cluttered, then that is like, uh, you've got a bunch of backseat drivers telling, you know, and they're screaming where to go, what to do. Like, you know, this is what matters. This, and you just, and like to declutter is just say, I, I need to have no backseat drivers, right? I need to have uh, like kind of singularity about um, where I'm going and what God is uh, uh, leading me in and all of this. And if you have a cluttered mind, that's like trying to drive down the road and there's all of these distractions, right? The kids are arguing, the radio's got all of this static, the dog's barking and you're just like, I just, right? Um, and to use Ryan's metaphor from last week, and if you didn't uh, hear his message, Go back and catch his message. Because um, he talks about, remember, closing those doors, like getting that static down by uh, closing some of those doors. So when we think about the spirit, right? Because uh, we all have a spirit and, and our soul, the integration of those things, whenever the New Testament talks about our soul, think of that as also being like, it's what makes you, you. It's how these three things work together. And so if you're on that road trip, maybe a way to think about your spirit uh, is it's like a GPS device, right? Or like if you pull out your phone and use Google Maps, right? So the problem is maybe a little less about like clutter and it's more of like a signal problem. Uh, here, two weeks ago, Angie and I were driving over to California and uh, we were uh, kind of taking a, a little bit of a different route as we were coming into San Diego. It was late at night. So uh, Angie took my phone and used uh, like the map app on it to like get to where we were going. Only like it, my phone wasn't like picking up a good signal. It kept doing like that spinning donut thing that you know you get or whatever. And, and the problem was like, I'm on the freeway going through the, and, and I'm like, okay, where, where, where do I turn next? And she's like, I don't know, oh, yeah, right here. Like, you know, I'm just like trying to jump over three lanes because you know, normally on one of those things, it's like, you know, in 1.2 miles, remain in the far right lane to exit on whatever. And this was like, exit now. Right? And it's just like, and just trying. And it was so frustrating, right? Ever have something like that happen, right? So think about that when it comes to like, as you're living life and your connection to God, that sense of like, okay, God, I'm sorting th uh, through this issue or trying to navigate this. And, and you feel that struggle, that sense of connection 
uh, with God in some way. And, and maybe for some of you, you'd say, you know, when you say we have a spirit, I, like, I don't know, I don't feel very spiritual. Or I feel, like, I feel like my spirit's running on like one bar or something, right? And it's just like not transferring a lot of data. And, and, you know, and if we're on the freeway, that becomes a problem, right? Or for some of you, maybe it's, it just feels like it's intermittent feels like sometimes I get this great signal and I feel confident about what like, you know, what God's wanting to do in my life. And then like you turn a corner, you face some issue. And have you ever felt like, so where'd you go, God? Like, uh, like, like it, I felt close and connected to you before. And now all of a sudden it's like, where did you go, right? Or the signal's strong and then you're looking at the battery and it's just like, and you're like, I'm gonna like, and you just, it's just like, like what's gonna happen? Like, that happens, right? Ever feel like that? Ever feel like, you know, this idea of having a spirit or being spiritual, like that signal, I don't know. I, I think of somebody else as being really spiritual, having that strong connection to that signal, right? Someone else out there that has that. But I think that's the problem that we sometimes struggle with in uh all of this, that, that we, we don't have confidence in that sense of signal or connection with God, yet that is our spirit. And here's the thing, it's easy to neglect your soul when you think of yourself as, um, as having a poor spiritual signal. And if that's you, uh, you're not alone, right? Like as human beings, we're gonna struggle with that at times. It's, it's part of life. And what we need to do is find a way to strengthen that signal. But if, if you're like me and struggle with that at times, um, there are some things that Jesus has to say that I think are really helpful. And I wanna look at something that he actually has to say that comes out of the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, uh, we're actually gonna spend all of our time looking at a few things in the Sermon on the Mount. And the reason I bring this up is because... Um, the Sermon on the Mount starts, the text tells us, in fact, if you have your Bibles, uh, flip over to Matthew chapter five, Matthew chapter five. It starts with Jesus seeing this crowd of people. Look at what it says, uh, starting verse one, it says, now when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. And the thing that initiates this is he sees the crowds. He sees ordinary people. He sees farmers and fishermen and moms and dads and laborers. He sees a lot of people that probably, if they were asked, um, so are, are, are you a spiritual being, right? They'd go, oh, that's a deep question, you know? Or, or if they were asked, how's your spiritual connection, right? They'd probably say, you know, I, I think you got the wrong guy, right? There's somebody up at the temple right? There's a priest or a rabbi up there teaching someplace. That's probably a spiritual person. Go, go check that out, but not me. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you'd say, you know, I mean, I've read some authors. I, I've, I've listened to some podcasts. I, you know, there, there are some people that I know that pray really good or, or they're spiritual. They seem to have a really good connection, but I don't know about me. But he goes on, he goes on. Um, uh, it, it goes on and it says, his disciples came to him and he began to teach them saying, and, and what I want you to catch here is 
These are the first words of this actual sermon. And here's what he says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. See, when he says blessed are the poor in spirit, there would have been a lot of people that say, I, so when you say poor in spirit, yeah. Like poor signal in spirit, yeah. But like not always understanding, yeah, like that, they would get that. And yet he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Because even they, even they can have a connection to God. Even they can be a part of God's kingdom. They can experience life and relationship with God. You know what I think that they heard when Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit? I think they heard, blessed are you. Blessed are you. And that had to be like a wonderful moment for them in this. And, and I want it to be a wonderful moment for you that if you struggle at times and, and maybe you feel like, you know, I got that heart thing down. I got that mind thing down. Yeah, a lot of work to do there, but I get it. I, like, I feel like I know how to move forward. But if you're sitting here and you say, you know, but the spirit thing, and you're talking about connecting with God and I'm a spiritual being, I'm struggling with that a little bit. If that's you, I want you to know, like, um, it doesn't have to stay that way. Like, there are things that you can do that actually strengthen uh, your spirit, some things that will actually help you feel and experience that kind of connection uh, in a greater way. And, and what I wanna do this morning is actually walk through um, a section of the Sermon on the Mount because he does something in particular here that I think he, uh, he, he does with, with great purpose to actually help our spirits. And what he does here, it, the, it's a unique um, kind of verbiage that he uses around uh, three passages. There's this one section, and you kind of break it into three topics. It is about um, giving, prayer, and fasting, which sounds a little odd, but he does something very particular with the language here that I, and I, is why I want to look at all these three. And here's what he does with this. is he talks to each one, he says, now keep it a secret. Keep it a secret. And like, and you don't see this very often with, with Jesus. Not very many other places in the New Testament where Jesus says, okay, when you go pray, keep it a secret. Or if you, you know, where he picks some topic and he wants us to keep it a secret. And here's what I'm gonna say. He's not saying keep uh, this a secret about uh, giving prayer and fasting because this is a formula for how to be a really good, you know, prayer or do a really good job of fasting. That's not his aim. It's, it's always important to understand the teaching aim of what Jesus is doing so that you can really understand how to take advantage of it and to understand what Jesus is doing. His aim here isn't about setting some rule about each of these uh, things. Rather, it's about audience. So I want you to think about this for a moment, right? When... Um, when he says, keep this a secret, he is changing the audience by which we practice this in front of. And who would be the audience that we would be doing this in front of if we keep it a secret? God, right? He's shifting the audience because something different happens when, when we do, when we live out something at different moments for an audience of one, for for an audience of just God. Because here's the reality, friends. 
Uh, we are relational creatures. It is the way God made us and being such, we are always affected by the audience we are around. We always find this way to attune and connect and we read off of it in different ways. We can do that when we're not even realizing it. Like, like it just happens. Years and years ago, when my son Chandler was uh, very young, uh, we, uh, I decided that, hey, this would be really cool. He could be a part of closing out the Christmas Eve services one year. And so um, I worked with uh, Chandler a little bit and I said, Chandler, you know, we're gonna get to the end of each of the Christmas Eve services and you're gonna come out with me and, I'm, and we'll kind of banter back and forth. Uh, you know, I'll ask you a few questions or whatever and we'll kind of have this family, you know, this, this you know, feel good moment as we close it out and this will be really fun. So um, I worked with Chandler on this and we walked out the first time and he's like, locked on me because like he's ready. Dad's going to ask me this question and then I'm going to answer this way, you know. So we get out there. First service, I, you know, we, we go back and forth and I ask him this one question and he says something and it's funny, right? Because it was meant to be. Only this time, everyone laughs because we're in front of you all. And, and, and if you were there, you will remember this, right? Uh, it, like, and this was a long time ago. But he said something, everyone laughs and he's like this and, and you could just see the expression on his face. He's like, Oh, like <laughs> wow, everyone found that funny, right? And, and so I did like the next bit in that and, in, in, and Chandler kind of ignored me and said something else that he thought would be really funny. And you all thought it was really funny. And he responded to that. And within seconds, like I lost him, right? Like I'm, I'm like wanting to just like yank the mic out of his hand on this thing. But I thought, you know, that wouldn't be a good Christmas moment. And he, you know, he's like, give me the mic back. I've lost control of my son, right? And he's just like, he even stepped forward and he's just like, well, you know, da, 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 and he's just, you know, he's ready to go. And I'm like, okay, Chandler, let's go. You know, let's, I'm trying to rein him in. And it's not working because everything he's saying, like, and it's just, he got a new audience, right? And he started responding. Um, I was looking back at the sound guys and I'm like, you know, like, hey, turn his mic off, right? Because save me from having a vote. And they're laughing so hard. I can see they're like, no way. You know, we're, we might turn your mic off, but not his. Like, we're going to let this thing roll, right? And it's just, it's the power of an audience, right? And this is, and it's not a bad thing. It's just, it's a reality. And so what Jesus is saying here is he's wanting to change the experience because it changes the audience. But I think he understands it is a way of helping us shape our souls in a really beautiful way. So I wanna walk through these three sections here. And, and as I do that, each of these sections, I hope will open us up to a way that will actually strengthen that sense of connection we have in our spirit. Now, to do this, I'm gonna use this illustration through this of a tuning fork. Um, I got this from Andy this uh, morning. And I want you to think of your spirit as being like a tuning fork, right? Think of, uh, think of God uh, like communicating to you on like a certain frequency, right? There's kind of a certain frequency. And the beautiful, and, and like sometimes it's just like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to read that frequency. But the beauty of a tuning fork, right, is, is that when you, when you tap on it, it resonates with a very specific frequency. And this one, uh, it, it is uh, 329.6 megahertz. Exactly. That's what this one is. Andy tells me that is the key of E, 
right? Or the note of E, whether it's a key or a note, I'm not sure, but it's E for those of you who are musicians. And of course the idea is, right? If you can get, if you can get a tuning fork to resonate with that sound, then it gives you the ability to attune with it, right? The whole idea is that if you're a singer, like you, 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 you get that note and now you're able to attune and match it and, it and it lets you lead off of it. Or if you're a musician, you can tune your instrument uh, to this. And so Andy, he's like showing it to me. He goes like this and then I do it. And I'm just like, it's, it's making no noise, right? Like, that's the problem. And he goes, yeah, well, you, and he said, you've got like to find a way to hear it. And I'm like, that would help, right? And so two ways to do it. He said, this is really cool. Um, he said, the, the sound waves off this tuning fork will travel through uh, things that are more dense, like bone. He said, he said, if you put your finger, not like in your ear, but like next to your ear, and then you ring this, and then you put it right there on the, your elbow, and like I can actually hear it right now. Um, if I uh, ring this and get... Can you hear that? So friends, that's... that's 329.6 megahertz right there. Are you excited, right? So, yeah. Um, uh, but your spirit's kind of like this. Your spirit has this ability to, to, to resonate um, like this God's signal within your soul. Like that's the whole purpose of having a spirit. So Jesus walks through these three sections and what I want to say is like each of them, it's like finding a way to ring your spirit in a way that lets you attune to something of God's heart that then your heart can resonate with. Do you see how that works? And with each of these, I think Jesus is opening up this thing that allows us to actually get in touch with our spirit in a new way. So, so uh, that's what I want to do here. And it's not about the topic discussed. It is about God's heart that comes out in each uh, topic. So I want to start with the, with the first one uh, here. And uh, if you will, look at Matthew chapter 6. Uh, look, at, uh, look at verse 2. This is on giving. And here's what he says. He says, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues or on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And right before this is that part where he says, um, when you give, give in secret. Now, again, he's not saying that it's wrong to give in a public way. In fact, he even says when someone gives in a public way, like they get their reward. There's something they get out of that, but there's also something they don't get in that. And again, the whole point is not to give in secret because like, um, like that's the right way to do it. The point is when you give in secret, that's an opportunity for you to give in a way that is only before God. And when you do that, you begin to understand better what God's heart is on giving, right? God loves to give, friends. But you know, God doesn't give because he's trying to impress lots of people, right? He says, don't, don't give like the people that give to impress people. Like, sh sure, they're giving to needy people. That is a good thing. They may get a lot of acclaim. That's a good thing. But they miss, like they don't get to ring that, that tuning fork in their spirit to understand God's heart in this, right? Because here's God's heart in this, right? Why does God give? Well, 
it's clearly, it's because there are needy. He loves to, he loves to be generous with those that just need it. He just, he loves to be generous. That's the point. That is God's heart on this. And part of what we see in this is, uh, again, the, the reason we would give in secret is to just like begin resonating with this idea that we give out of a generous heart, out of a generous attitude. And you know, when you think about this, this beautiful generosity of God, you know, I, like, I want all of us to give. I think I, I want you to give to people that you see in need. I want you to give to this church. But you know, I don't want you to give for a lot of, there's a lot of reasons why that I wouldn't want you to give for. I don't want you to give because you feel obligated. I don't want you to give because you feel guilty about it. I don't want you to give because you're worried if you don't, God won't bless you. I don't want you to give out of shame. I want you to give because there's something of a more generous heart that is growing and swelling up in your own heart. I want you to give because you feel this sense of like, I serve a God who cares about me and he's there for me. And there are these opportunities that I get to share in the joy of being generous. That is why I want you to give. Because that, that does something for you. Years ago, when we, it was when we had, uh, were first doing one of our first shoe drives. You know, um, We've done a number of shoe drives uh, now for a long, long time. And it all started when we discovered, actually beginning in the Miranda School District, that there was this huge need of a lot of kids, uh, actually in the thousands, who didn't have adequate tennis shoes. And it was impacting their ability to participate in sports and in PE. And it was kind of this... Uh, quiet thing, you know, it, it felt a little shameful that they didn't have tennis shoes or whatever. And so we realized like, we can just gather up new tennis shoes and give them to these kids and we'll let school nurses do this anonymously and, and school faculty and just bless them in this way. And so there was this mom that came and found me after one of the services and we were like most of the way through this shoe drive. And she said, I just gotta share this with you. She said, so this past week, you know, you, you know, we've been challenging ourselves uh, to, to go and get shoes. And she said, so I told my daughter that we would go and get her a new pair of tennis shoes. And I said, I had this great idea. I said, um, when we go, I, uh, and I forgot how old her daughter was, uh, probably uh, like early elementary. Um, uh, when we go to buy you a pair of tennis shoes, I want you to pick out a pair of tennis shoes that we're gonna bring back to church so that as a church, we can give it to a, a, like a kid who doesn't have them. And so she said, we went to the store and she picked up, my daughter picked out her tennis shoes and then she picked out another pair and then we're going to check out. And she said, and, and just, I, just the look on this mom's face was just like, it was so proud in a really healthy way and excited and yet like a little teary. And she said, we got in line and as we're checking out, my daughter looked at me and said, mom, I wanna give both pairs of shoes. I'm, I've got enough, to, I, I wanna give both. I want two girls to have tennis shoes. And this mom is just like, my daughter, like my daughter loves shoes and to give up a pair of shoes, like what happened to my daughter? I'll tell you what happened. There was a moment where, where her spirit just, it's her spirit just started ringing with God's spirit. 
And God's generosity just started flowing through that little girl's spirit until it got into her heart and into her mind. And her soul started becoming more generous because that just, it started becoming who she was until she's in line. She's just like, you know what would bring me more joy? I've got tennis shoes. I want two little girls, see? So when it comes to giving, I want you to give. I want you to give to this church. I want you to give to people who are in need. I want you to give to people that maybe aren't in need, but it's just an opportunity for you to just bless someone else. But not because you're supposed to, not because you have to, not to dissuade some guilt. I want you to do it because you start ringing that tuning fork, right? In your soul and you just start feeling how generous God is. And you're just like, that's so cool. I want to be more like that, see? And you know what you're going to do, friends? You're going to be opening up your spirit and your spirit's going to become stronger and that signal's going to come through more and it'll just affect lots of decisions that you make. And you will love who you are becoming in your soul more and more. Okay, next section. Next section that Jesus uh, talks about here in this is this section on prayer. And we uh, actually, I actually taught out of this uh, a few weeks ago. And so I'm not gonna read everything in it. Um, but if you recall a few weeks ago through this section, he talks about your prayer closet and to pray in secret. And again, it's not about um, you're supposed to pray uh, in secret. Rather, there's something else going on in all of this. And I want you to see this. He goes through the Lord's prayer. He goes through the Lord's prayer after he talks about this. And let, let me just read the first half of the Lord's Prayer. And then there's one verse in particular I want you to see. He starts off, says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today your daily bread. And then verse 12. Here, here's what I want you to get, right? Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And right in the middle of this prayer, he's teaching us how to pray. He enfolds this whole idea of forgiveness, right? This idea of forgiveness. And what I wanna say is, that's part of God's heart, right? This idea of forgiveness, even as you pray, pray to forgive other people as you have been uh, forgiven, he says. And this is tough, right? In fact, maybe out of all the things we'll cover this morning, this is the harder one, this ideal of forgiveness. Because when someone hurts you, when someone wounds you, like to forget, it gets tough. And the place we want to drift oftentimes is the place the disciples went, right? The disciples always tried to take what Jesus was teaching about forgiveness and it just like, they wanted to turn it into like a formula. Like one time Jesus teaching about forgiveness and one of the disciples like, oh, Oh, I think I've got this. So, and he's kind of thinking like, Jesus setting the mark high. I'm going to set the mark really high. So Jesus, like, are we supposed to forgive our brothers or sisters like seven times? Because that seems like a lot, right? And remember how Jesus responds. He's like, you know, this isn't in the text, but we can all picture Jesus going, oh, I love you, but try like 70 times seven, right? And you see the disciples, I can't do that math, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because there's no formula to it. You know why? Because my heart is. If you can forgive, forgive, forgive. Like, that's the thing we strive for. That's, if there's any way to find a way to forgive, do it. Don't give up on forgiveness. Maybe you can't find it right now. Maybe it's going south, but you know what? 
circle back around to it. It's a be- like forgiveness is this beautiful thing and it's birthed in grace and what we've received. Like, just don't give up on it. Even if you don't have it now, like, just like seek it out. Like, cause that's God's heart. Friends, God loves to forgive, see, right? And so Jesus can't even talk about prayer without talking about, and oh, and by the way, let's, let's pray for some forgiveness in this thing because that's his heart in this whole thing. And so when you think about forgiveness in this, right? And you think about how much God's heart is to forgive. Ring, ring your spirit like it is a tuning fork, friends. Think about this. Ask yourself, who's the person who's hard to forgive in your life right now? Who is that? Is it because they just aggravate you? Or is it because they've wounded you? Is it because they don't get you? Maybe it's a group of people and you've run into it and it's just, and it feels like it's gotten old. It can be tough. But you have a spirit And what Jesus is saying is, right, there's a way, there's a way to ring your spirit by seeing God's heart. And you know where you can start? Let me get really practical on this. Because if you're like me, you're gonna struggle to forgive people at times. You're gonna, like, you're gonna, you're gonna come back around that thing several times, right? Or you think you've forgiven them and then you come, I didn't take the first time or something, right? You're coming back to that thing, right? Start with how you've been forgiven by God, right? I love how Jesus says to pray, right? Pray that we forgive our debtors as we've been forgiven, right? And, and maybe you take a moment and, and just taking a moment to, to, gosh, God's forgiven me, right? And you just, you start connecting with how God's forgiven you. And it's like it has a way of making it through your spirit into your heart and your mind and it just starts to soften it a little bit. And maybe you're still struggling, right? Because they really hurt you. You know what else I love about this? Jesus says, pray for it. Like he literally invites you to ask for his help. Isn't that beautiful? Because he knows it's hard to do, right? And so maybe if you find yourself struggling with that, begin to pray, God, help me to forgive that person. You know, this is something I have done for decades now that I have found a huge help. And when I think about someone that maybe I'm struggling with, I'm always reminded of this. God, God is able to forgive that person, right? If, if God offended, or if that person offended God the way you know, he or she offended me, I know God's character. Like God's got it, he's got room in his heart to forgive that person. So oftentimes I'll pray this, God, I know you have the heart and the power to forgive that person. And I'm gonna ask you to forgive that person on my behalf, but will you do it through me, right? I know you can do this. So God, like, could, could you find a way to forgive that person, but do it through me so that I get to experience your power your heart, your words, because here's what I have found, friends, that as God finds a way to love others, forgive others, extend grace, be patient with others, whatever it is, as I experience God doing it through me, it's like I start becoming able to do it myself 
It's like there's something that happens. And I would encourage you to do the same thing. And if you're just like, man, I tried and I don't. I like, that's okay. Come back at it again because God's heart is never give up. Keep coming back at it. And as you do that, you are tuning to God. You are opening up your spirit to be more and more connected to God, see? Now, one last area, one last area that he talks about uh, in this, and it's on this issue of, of fasting, right? Everyone's favorite topic to talk about, right? Um, uh, look at uh, verse 16. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the whole section on this. It says this, when you fast, do not look uh, uh, somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces uh, to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret, there's a secret thing, will reward you, right? Um, so here's the thing that we can easily miss out of the context of this. Um, going back millennia, like if you go back to the Old Testament and look at how what fasting is almost always connected to through the Old Testament, even into the New Testament, and all of Jesus's hearers would have understood this and they would have made this connection very naturally. And fasting was connected to um, humility. In fact, I'll say this, there's something beautiful about the act of, of fasting. It, it helps us to take on a more humble heart, a more humble posture. Oftentimes in the Bible, you'll see people, if they wanna humble themselves before God, uh, they'll go through a period of fasting. And there's practical reasons for this. There, there's something about fasting that simply puts us more in touch with our humanity and, and just it's like, oh, I am human, I feel hunger, I feel weakness from a lack of, like it's just, it has a humbling effect that can, the byproduct can be a very good spiritual uh, thing for us here. So when he talks about humility, or excuse me, he talks about fasting here, right? He, he's, there's this deeper thing here going on about humility. And of course, it's not about portraying the image of I'm a very humble person, right? That kind of defeats the, the whole purpose of this. The whole reason of doing this in secret is to come back and resonate with this kind of humility. And what I wanna say is a kind of humility that even God has that is really beautiful. Um, a few weeks ago, I talked about defining humility in this way. Uh, humility is that quality of being authentic to who you really are are, right? Not trying to be more than you are, not trying to think that I, like I, I build myself up by actually, you know, I've got to be less than I am. It is knowing who you authentically are and, and trying to portray and live that out. And for this morning, I want to add one thing uh, to that kind of working definition to think about it in this, and it's this. Humility is also the quality of contentment with who you really are. And that's God. In fact, if you think of the Trinitarian relationship of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, they always have this sense of who they are in the Trinity, this, the, the, what personage they are within the, within the Trinity, and always being authentic to who they are, never trying to be more, never trying to be less. And the beauty of this is there's this kind of humility that, that 
God has, and you see it exercised in Christ. Even in moments where people would come after him, where people would be contentious, moments that might draw us out uh, to be contentious back in some way to like one-up someone in, in some way to like justify ourselves. Like Jesus never felt the need to do that. Like Jesus is always like, you know what? Like, I am who I am. And, and, and if he would push back, it was, never, it was never to protect his sense of being because he authentically knew who he was and he always lived out of that. And here's what that does. To live out of that, it lets you live your life out with others in a very particular way that is beautiful. And you see this, with, you see this within the relationship of the Trinity. Um, and sometime... Uh, I'd love to maybe preach a whole sermon on this inner relationship that you see within the Trinity, especially around the idea of humility. But uh, in the New Testament, there are only a couple of examples where you see um, God the Father appearing in some way. One of those is at the baptism of Jesus, right? It says the heavens open up and there is God, God the Father appearing. And he says, wow, look at me. I can part the heavens. Aren't you impressed? Not actually, right? That's not what he says, right? What does he say? He's like, do you see Jesus? Whoa, right? Okay, and that's a, that's a loose translation out of the Greek, right? Whoa, check that guy out. That's my son. He's amazing. Follow this guy. He's got it. He's the man. Man, like everything about God the Father. Like he, he opens the heavens, right? This is my, but it's all about Jesus. I want you to see Jesus. Jesus is amazing. You see these moments where Jesus is teaching and people are like, this guy teaches with authority that no one else has. And then there's these moments where Jesus says, okay, okay, you gotta know this. There is nothing, there is nothing original with me. There is nothing that I am teaching, that I am revealing that hasn't come from God the Father to me. It's his. I'm like conduit. I am, you wanna know what God looks like? Look at me. You know what? You wanna know what God believes? I'll tell you. But it, like, it's God. It's God the Father. Like, and it's just like, and it's just like, no pretension. No, it's just like this beautiful thing. You look at the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit um, is maybe the most, most humble within the, within the Trinity. And I'm sure God the Father and Jesus go, oh yeah, right? And I'm sure the Holy Spirit's going, Right? It's, just, it's just like, but what you see throughout the New Testament is the Holy Spirit constantly never drawing attention to himself, but pointing to Jesus. Jesus is the way. You trust him. He's got this. You walk in him. He is your authority. He is one. It's just like this beautiful thing. It's just like the Holy Spirit is enamored with this idea that we would put our hope and our love in Jesus. And there's never a moment where the Holy Spirit, like where Jesus gets all this attention. And you think about it. You think about it. How many Christian songs do we write about Jesus? A lot of them. How many, how many songs the Holy Spirit get? Ah, not too many, right? But there's never a place in the scripture where the Holy Spirit's just like, hey, hey, like one day and one resurrection and just everybody's going crazy. Not like he's getting resurrected every day. And yet you, everyone's making a big deal about it, right? I'm always here, right? No, like he doesn't get offended in that way. He's not worried. There's this beautiful humility of just being able to encourage and point forward in something. Friends, that humility, that's God, right? Right? Tap into that. You have a spirit, right? 
You ring, ring that spirit that you have. And as you do, like you start hearing that frequency of humility of who God is. And all of a sudden you start finding, you know what? You don't have to contend for your value. In Jesus, you're enough, right? We've all had moments where we have been around someone and you're like excited, you say, you know, like, Hi, best golf score ever, right? You know, I scored like 72. Is that scratch? Is that correct? Any golfers? Is that? No golfers. Uh, yeah, okay, it's 72, scratch, okay? I don't know, right? And, right? and you've got someone who's like, well, I did, you know, 71 yesterday. And you're just like, right? It's just, I, and not because they're bad or mean, it's just like they're contending for something. We've done that. There have been moments where like, well, hey, you know, like I, but, right? You ring that humility of the spirit. And it's not that you can't brag about a golf game or something you've done that you love. It's that you don't have to do it to contend for being enough. You ring your spirit with that humility of who the Trinity is and how they live. And all of a sudden you find yourself like, I can encourage that person. I can lift that. Like, because you find this room that you're not having to do that for yourself. And you start looking around and it becomes this beautiful thing that in your heart and in your spirit and in your um, uh, mind, you become this beautiful encourager of all those around you. And what you'll find is as you make decisions day to day, it's not like you hear God's voice booming through, you know, Sherry, I want you to do this. John, you know, go over there. And we're kind of looking for that. That's not how our spirit typically works. It just starts resonating that frequency of God's generosity, right? Of God's humility, of God's forgiveness. And all of a sudden we start finding our heart and our mind being influenced by that. And it's just like, you know, I wanna be a little more generous here. I'm gonna circle back around to forgiveness in this relationship. I'm gonna give it another try. You know what? I'm gonna encourage this person. I, like, I, instead of contending for me, I'm gonna contend for them. And all of a sudden, it's like your soul starts becoming clear and strong. And I wanna end this series just with this simple challenge. Don't let these last three weeks just stop at some good insight for you. Swing back around to them and find moments to declutter your heart, to declutter your mind, to ring out um, that frequency of God in your spirit and keep attending to your soul. Because if you do, I make this promise to you. You will love who you are becoming more and more year by year if you, if you take care of your soul. Um, I'm gonna pray here in a moment, but before I do, I just wanna remind you, those uh, teacher uh, cards, uh, there are places where you can drop them off, finish filling those out uh, so we can uh, encourage uh, those teachers uh, starting next week. Why don't you all stand and I'm gonna close us out in prayer. Let me pray. Father, uh, we just, uh, we adore you and we adore the example that you set in your forgiveness and your humility, your love and what you do in our hearts and our minds. And we pray that you would open up our spirits and strengthen that frequency of who you are within us 
And we pray this in your son's name, amen. Have a great Sunday.